Yeah, as, as Mike said, we've been, we've been serving and leading together for a long, long time now, and, and um, we're going to continue to do that. And I, uh, I actually arrived as an intern here 18 years ago now, and I, um, I found a real home here. It felt like I'd come home. I, I'd, I've really not been a Christian very long, about... Um, really for myself, I'd taken ownership of my faith maybe about a year and a bit um, before that. And Mike actually said to me, um, he, for the first six months, he didn't think I knew enough to be a Christian. And uh, in all the years that we've been working together, that's the first time I knew that's what he thought of me on that video when I, when I was standing, not really, but um, yeah, and, 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 and we're really aware that there are a whole bunch who, as Mike said, have joined um, in recent months. And... Uh, uh, and also, I just want to say that even, even as we, there's this change in Mike's role, there is, for us as a church, we've been doing this together, there's going to be no change in direction of, of where we're going. And I've um, often over the years thought of our church family as a little like Mike's garden um, in the height of summer. So if, you, if you've ever been to Mike's garden in the height of summer, you'll see that it is a riot of colour. There's, there's flowers blooming all over the place. And there's, um, there's fruit, so he has uh, like a couple of apple trees and he's got vines and he's got a fig tree and he's got um, a herb garden that's like where you've got all these herbs overflowing and spilling to each other, basil and oregano and thyme and, uh, you know, they're all spilling out of the beds, mint that's taken over everything else, tomatoes are growing. Um, he's got this pond in his garden that as long as I've known him has always had something wrong with it. There's been a crack in it. So he's having to, you know, top the water up. There, there's too much weed in it sometimes. So we have to sort that out together. There's, there's filters that keep, he keeps buying that keep breaking. And yet, and yet somehow every year these buckets of frog spawn just appear in it. And these frogs hop around all over the garden. Um, there are bees buzzing around enjoying the, enjoying the flowers. There's like birds that he feeds constantly, as you might imagine. Uh, he compares himself to Francis of Assisi, who was known for feeding animals, although Francis did it naked, and I'm so glad I've never seen him do that. Um, it's just, it's this place that if you went into it, you, olive tree, quite right, there's a beautiful olive tree. If you went into it, you wouldn't think it was neat and tidy um, by any stretch. In, in many ways, it's just, it's, there's just, as I say, this riot of color, but it's, it's a, there's life everywhere. Everywhere you look, and... I haven't even mentioned the smells, not just the smells of the flowers, but almost constantly the smell of food, just cooking on a barbecue, tucked away, this chicken sizzling away. And, and for me, this, this church family, it's, it's always felt a little like that. We're not neat and we're not tidy. And if you've been here for more than a couple of weeks, you will know that already. But there is just, there is just life everywhere. The abundant life of God at work in our midst as, as a local church. And um, there's a picture that Jesus gives of um, church. And if we can move from the image of a garden to something else, this is something he says. As usual, he paints a picture with his words. And he says it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, it reminded me of, I was having a chat with a guy in the cafe this week who was telling me about a building project He'd done a loft conversion on his house and uh, he was giving me some advice because we're doing stuff to ours and he said, the main thing is you just need to get a good builder. If you get a good builder, you'll be all right. And he said, the guys over the road, at the same time as they were having their loft conversion done, they also got a loft conversion done. And he said his builders were really good, but they kept commenting on how the guys over the road were cutting all these corners, 
using the cheapest materials and were basically a bunch of cowboys. And he said, um, six months after the loft conversion was finished, theirs is great, but these guys over the road who have just spent tens of thousands of pounds having their loft converted, their roof has already started to leak. And Jesus tells a story that remind you know, it speaks to me, it's similar, about builders. And so at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, this is what he says. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." So there's two builders on opposite sides of the road. And uh, they both build a house that on the surface looks the same. And both houses go through a storm. Uh, It's not that the wise builder builds somewhere where there aren't storms, because there's no way you can go where you won't face adversity, where you won't face storms. Every church goes through them. So, So they both go through storms. But of course, the difference between them is, Jesus says, that one of them hears his words and puts it into practice. And what that means is when the storms come, the house stands. And tragically, we have heard, even in the last year or two, of of so many churches where things have fallen apart. Um, We know of one church, not in this country, but just a couple of years ago, there were 10,000 people attending that church, and today there's 150. And um, you have to say that when the wind blows and the whole thing falls like that, that the f- something must have been wrong in the foundations. And we've said, Mike said it so many times, we can't build the kingdom of heaven on a marketing strategy. You can't build that which lasts for eternity on branding and on technique. We can't, we can't build something of God just by relying on our own efforts. The way that we can see churches that are strong in all the ways that we as the church are meant to be strong, strong in our love and strong in our forgiveness, strong in our courage and strong in our peace. A church that thrives in the middle of adversity and doesn't just collapse under it. The way that we'll have a church like that is a church that has foundations on rock. And he says it so plainly here. And Jesus is speaking about individuals in the context of this particular story. But in the wider New Testament, the church is, there's a picture of the church as a building. So it applies to us too. The way you have foundations is you practice what he says. We do what he says. And again, in the passage, when he says these words of mine, he's referring to the talk he's just given. But, but this truth applies to any of Jesus's words. And so for us as a church, we've got to remember always that if we want to build high, we've got to dig down deep. And what are, I suppose, just in the time that I've got left, for those of you who've joined the church, um, and for for those of you who've been around for maybe a while, let's remind ourselves, what are those things Jesus says that we're trying to build on? Because for all that things are occasionally haphazard and a little chaotic, Actually, we are trying very intentionally to build on some of his, well, all of his words, but I just want to highlight a few. So here's the first one. Jesus is asked on one occasion, what is the most important commandment? Do you know this bit? 
And he says this, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And when I, when I turned up here, having become a Christian a little while before, um, I honestly thought that what I'd entered into with God was some kind of a working relationship where um, I would agree to behave a little bit differently and he would agree to look after me. That's what I thought it was. And after, after some time, it began to dawn on me to my utter joy that actually what this relationship is, is it's a love affair. That, that to, to come to know God and to obey this commandment to love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength is, is to respond. It's but to respond to the invitation from a God who loves us, strange and awesome though it might seem to us, with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind and all of his strength. Um, it, it's, it's an invitation to intimacy. And for us as a church, that is always and it always has to be the number one priority, to love him. And, and the way that we put that into practice is we put it into practice in our lives, yes, in the decisions that we make and, and, and the choices that we have, but we also put it into practice in our worship together, that we, we, we worship him with our lives, but also that there are moments of devotion. And actually, any change in our behavior, I've been finding anyway, it flows from knowing that we love him. It flows out of seeing him. So just... Um, a couple of weeks ago, Beth and I celebrated our 13th wedding anniversary. And if I look in the... Thank you. Um, if, I, if I look in the mirror, I see there's been some significant changes in, in the person staring back at me in those 13 years since we've been married. So when we first got married, I didn't care what I wore. And now I still don't care what I wear, but I look a lot better for it because I'm just wearing what I'm told to wear. The way it goes is, is maybe once a year, sometimes if she's lucky, twice a year, we'll go to the shops She'll hand me a bunch of clothes that I will look at and say, I don't like them. And she says, just go and try them on anyway. So I will go into the changing rooms as instructed. I will try on whatever she's picked out for me. And then I'll come out trying to make it look as ugly as possible. And she'll say, yes, I like it. We're going to buy it for you. And then I just have to wear it. And that's how it works. Uh, there, I used to just eat whatever I wanted, which was mainly carbohydrates and protein. And now I have to eat something Beth likes to call vegetables. She wants us to have something she refers to as a balanced diet. Um, it used to be the case that on my days off, I would do things like go to the gym. Now on my days off, I do things like go to Ikea. And we wander around and she looks at a wardrobe that she wants me to build. Now, this change in behavior has happened, I want to stress, not because I'm afraid of Beth in any way. Shut up. <laughs> The truth is, I am sometimes. Um, but, but what I actually want to say is, most of the time, the reason these changes have happened is not out of fear, but out of love. It's because, you know, we, and we've all probably experienced it in different ways. When you love somebody, whether it's a partner or a parent or a, a, you know, a friend, when you love them, you want to do what pleases them. You, you, want to, you want to make them happy. You want to do what they enjoy. That's how it works. And the first commandment is not obey me. If we love him, then we obey him. The first commandment is, is love me, see me for who I am. When we fall in love with him, when we see him as he is, 
everything else flows from that. That is the source of the river of life, to see him and to love him. And so when we worship together corporately, when we get together in small groups or we do it on, on, in Seek the Lord Nights, this isn't, that's not the warm-up for the main event. That is the main event, to be near him, to connect with him, to express to him that we enjoy him even as he rejoices over us. We're putting that into practice. That's a firm foundation for us as a church. Here's the second one. We want to build by putting into practice what Jesus says in John 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. One of my, one of my favorite Sundays, one of my favorite memories from being part of this church happened a few years ago. And um, some of you will know this, but my, my third son, Caleb, he was born, he was diagnosed at 20 weeks in the womb with a serious health condition. Uh, one of the implications of that is that when he was born, he had to have a major heart operation and he was in the Royal Brompton Hospital for a couple of months. And um, we were broken as a couple. When, obviously, when you find that out, it's hard. And, you know, as a family, we, we struggled. But what happened is just this, this warm arm of love came around us from the church family. And, and people prayed for us. They prayed for Caleb. Um, it, while Beth was in hospital with him for two months, I had the other two boys at home um, by myself. I don't think I had to cook a single meal because people just kept bringing us food. I think I put on about a stone, uh, you know, just pasta and cake and like all of it. And it was amazing. And, and, and for me, it was such a special day because we had a dedication service like we are this morning um, about a year after he was released from hospital. And so we got to stand here in the midst of our family who had, who had walked that journey with us and seen us at our incredibly low point and stayed faithful and stayed with us. And as part of the dedication, you say, what name have you given this child? And we were able to say Caleb, which means wholehearted. The name that we gave him as a, as a cry of defiance, if you will, against his, his condition. And the, I loved it. And then um, what happened is after the service, I was just heading home, just got to the lobby because uh, we're going to have we all this family visiting. We're going to have a party. And Ray, who was at the 915, who's part of our recovery group, he came and caught me in the lobby. And he said, hey, Andy, would you mind coming to pray for my motorbike? And that is the first and only time anyone has ever asked me to do that. But, but I said, all right. So I went out the back of the fire escape where the motorbike was parked. And um, uh, Ray's story is that he became a Christian here. And he's, he's found... Um, he's battled through his addictions and he's now in a place where he's, he's, uh, he's free of it. And, um, you know, we did a little dedication service for the motorbike. And I said, what name have you given this bike? And he said, Roxy. And so we prayed and I said, what, what does this bike mean to you? And he said, freedom. And, and he started to well up when he said it. And he said, if you told me just a few years ago that I have my own motorbike, I just, I just would never have believed you. He said, what God has done and what this place has done, I can't put it into words. So we prayed. And then, and then I walked home after that. And I remember thinking to myself, how have I landed in a community like this? How, how has this happened? And it's, it's the kindness of God. And for us, we won't get it right all the time. But... but but he gives us instructions, he gives us to each other and he models it for us 
as I have loved you, as I've served you and washed your feet, as I've seen you at your darkest hour and I've stayed true, as I've forgiven you and I've done life with you, so in that way, love one another. And who we are aiming to be always is is this group of, we are family, this thick interconnected web of relationships of love. That's why the connect groups, that's why we eat together, that's why the teams. You know, somebody volunteered on the kids team last week, I heard, because for the first time they dropped their child off and they came in and they just met the Lord for an hour and a half without having to worry about their little kid and they just said, I want to be able to do that for somebody else. We are, we are a family and we're going to continue to build by putting into practice what Jesus says here. There's no substitute for that. And here's the third and the final thing. Uh, statements of Jesus that we're building upon. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Again, I know some of you heard me say it, but about 15 years ago, as I was heading home uh, on the Meriden Council estate down the road, I saw this 15-year-old lad, about 10 o'clock at night, sitting there sobbing. And I went over to him and just said, are you okay? And obviously he wasn't. Um, but because he was in such a desperate spot, he started to open up to me, a total stranger. And he told me some of his story. And it was that he'd never known his, his, his dad Uh, His mum had died a couple of years before. Uh, Both his older brothers were in jail. He was being looked after by a social worker who, in his words, didn't want to know. And his girlfriend, who lived down the road, had just dumped him. And I, I didn't know what to say to him. But what he kept saying to me over and over is, through his tears, to a total random stranger sitting next to him, I just want to know that someone loves me. And the truth is, we hide it better than he did in that moment of despair. But deep in the heart of every single person, there is that cry, I just want to know that someone loves me. And we have come to know the God of unconditional unending love. And now we said yes to him and we walk hand in hand with him as our father, our king, our savior, and our friend. We go with him now to the world that still has that cry to share his love. And the way we share it is we share it with our words and the way we share it is we share it with our hands, with our actions. And so much of what we've always tried to be, and this is never going to change as a family, is a family that loves the community we're a part of. And we put that into practice in our nine to five, in whatever he's called us to, your version of the front line, whether it's in the office or it's at the school gates, we put it into practice there. But we also get to put it into practice together. And that's why the cafe, the vision for that was always for the community that people might use it. And over the summer, we've seen that start to happen. And we can't share all the stories because we've got to protect people's dignity. But I can tell you that there have been people coming and sitting there for hours 
hours because life has been so hard and they've hit such a low that they don't know where else to go. They're not following Jesus yet, but they're sitting there and they're just soaking in an environment of love. That's why the food boxes, which is a joy for us to be able to to serve people in those ways. People have come. I heard of one couple of ladies, they turned up and they got the food boxes and they, they again shared a bit about what had been going on, which was horrific. And then just before they left, one of the team just said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And so she prayed. Her friend was in tears that someone would pray for them, absolutely in tears about it. This is, this is what we're for. And what we do is we invite people to become part of this family and to walk with us and, and that they belong wherever they're at. And then in time, what we hope is that as they see the way we love them and that we love each other, that they come to know the reason for that. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ. I turned up here, 18 years old, and I found a home. And uh, I want to say to all those of you who have come in the last 18 months, welcome home. And we love that you're here and we need you because the vision God has given to us is beyond us. And we'll only do it with him, but we also, it's all hands on deck. We want you to become part of this family, to get to know people in this family, to be involved in in using those gifts he's given you as part of this family. This is who we are, and this is where we're going. This is what we're building on.